0: Our Lakeshore campaign features content that some viewers may find uncomfortable, including gun violence, drug use, and sexuality. For more detailed information, including full content warnings and transcripts, check out the show notes or our website, therealmscast.com. Previously on Many Realms. The team heads to Trixie's Bar in the Docks to gather more information on the plans of the Wolves. There they encounter Roman's missing roommate Alan and his boyfriend Hotch, who they rescue from a bar fight with Rex Lemaire's lackey, Vera. Back at Alan's apartment, Hotch explains that he and Alan are part of a movement intending to disrupt Rex's stranglehold on the werewolf community. He brings the gang to meet his leader, Arthur Cho, who runs a secret office inside Goodman's distillery. Arthur has been orchestrating subversive activity among the wolves, including the manufacture of the new strain of sunshine that Roman and Susan have come across. After hearing his case, our heroes agree to work with Cho to strike against Rex. His suggestion? To acquire the recipe for Rex's sunshine so they can muscle him out of business by infiltrating the gangster's highly guarded headquarters, the Drake Casino.
1: Hi, I'm Eli. I play Roman the Fae, and it's good to be here.
2: Hi, I'm Jordan. I play Nox the Tainted. I'm locked in my apartment right now, but it's good to be here.
3: Hi, I'm Jory. I'm playing Kitty the Oracle, and it is good to be here. Hi, I'm Jillian. I play Susan the Hunter. It's good to be here.
0: I'm Jesse. I'm the MC, and I think this is the episode where I'll introduce Detective Pikachu. Welcome to Many Realms. wakes up the morning after his meeting with the group and with Arthur Cho at the docks. And the scene I want to do is the scene where he is awoken at like 8 or 9 in the morning. I think it's probably like a Sunday. We're getting into, you know, fully mid-April, encroaching on the end of the month soon. He hears hammering at his door. Like knocking hammering, not like tool hammering.
2: Okay. I go to my door, peer through the eye hole, and I see...
0: 18 characters that I expect you to remember, all of their connections to you, their backstories, their likes and dislikes, their horoscopes. Um, Outside your people, you see Nat and Jackson. They are standing in the back alley behind the cafe, and they have a bunch of their rehearsal equipment standing behind them. Looked like they've brought their gear over to play with you.
2: Uh, Okay, I collect myself and happily open the door.
0: Nat, or um, I suppose potentially Jackson, the debate's still out on (laughs) that, gives you a a small wave and says, hey man, uh, uh, I know we missed a couple weeks, but I thought it'd be good to to get some rehearsal in this morning.
2: Uh, With a smile, Nock just says, yeah, you guys, uh, you're pretty late.
0: (laughs) You say they're late?
2: Yeah, they're late. They're pretty late. He's like a, a
1: little puppy,
2: um, just being a tsundere.
0: <laughs> you talked about I think rehearsing like in or around your apartment. Do you have any like conceptualization of where the cellar doors rehearse? I wondered if it was like the cafe before or after like opening or closing or like a side room. Yeah, that's what I
2: was gonna. I was gonna say like maybe you got like a key to the cafe, or going They have like a, hopefully a relationship with the owner, and it's like a. Bit of a deal that we've worked out. The deal is we use it and I don't turn into a demon.
0: <laughs> Jesus. I hope you're not demon extorting your cafe owner landlord who has a rich backstory that I can't wait to dive into today
2: i like to think that it's like an older couple that owns it and they they just have a really high appreciation for up-and-coming jazz musicians because they think that it's kind of like a dying art or it's being perhaps more like commercialized by the day and we are part of a more uh classical old sense of of the appreciation of jazz that they really resonate with
0: i like that you have a spare key to this cafe that's below your apartment And on Sundays, they have limited hours, say like noon to six. So you kind of have the morning to yourselves to rehearse as long as you don't make a mess and clean up after yourselves and don't cause too much of a racket with, uh, yeah, maybe some nostalgic, hopeful glee. You let yourselves in and Nat and Jackson begin to set up all of your equipment. Um, The cafe is quiet and still. All of the tables are pushed aside and the chairs are set on top of them. Um, The radio is buzzing happily in the corner. Jackson's tightening his cymbals, which Eli has helpfully pointed out is a real thing. And he says, yeah, I mean, um, it seems like lately there's it's really busy at the hummingbird. And Midge has been able to uh, book more groups, and she's she's paying a little bit better, too, because business is booming. I mean, I guess people in Fairside uh, don't really have a lot of alternatives these days. To refresh Jordan, the Hummingbird is the bar where you had your birthday. Midge is the bartender there who you have, like, a nice friendship with. Yeah. The hardware burned down because of a fireball gun.
2: yes. So, is business being, like, Because moves? one of the bars is burnt down.
0: Burnt down, yeah.
2: <laughs> so, okay. the
0: competitors. Yeah, and I think Jackson's sort of maybe trying to, like, feel out how you want to handle this episode of your friendship. And he's offering you a chance to speak, I think.
2: I don't want to open this can of worms too wide, guys. But, uh, I don't know if I really have the room to, to, to be playing right now, you know. <laughs> I mean, you, you saw what was happening there. I, I kind of got some bad shit on the horizon and as much as I you know love you guys I don't really want to bring you into that any more than I already have I appreciate the sentiment it's just uh, I don't know I don't know if I can really uh, go through with it right now
0: are you breaking up the band
2: (gasps) I mean I I don't want to. I'm more of a hiatus. But you know, I—I I mean, let's be honest, guys. Okay, I'm the weakest link anyway. You can just go get any Joe Schmo that's that's busking on the street to replace me and you'd be better for it. So, I mean, maybe we just practice here for a bit, you know. But uh, outside this, I don't know. I don't think it's a good idea to be going out. and playing shows and gigging as normal like nothing happened.
0: Jackson seems really hurt by this. I think he thought he was really trying to extend an olive branch to you. He shares a long look with Nat that seems charged with meaning that you can't exactly parse and then he lowers his head and starts picking up a syncopated jazz rhythm and launching into one of the cellar door classics on their roster. You, maybe with a, a melancholy tinge, pick up your instruments and begin to play. Even if there's a cloud hanging over at this cafe, it dissipates a little bit when you find yourself doing the thing that you love most, which is playing jazz with your friends. There's an easiness to it, a lightness, a familiarity that kind of rolls over you. And for maybe even a minute, you can forget about explosions and demons and conspiracies and werewolves and just kind of lose yourself in what you've built together with Nat and Jackson. After maybe about 15 or 20 minutes, there is uh, another hammering knock on the back door of the cafe. Nat looks up at you. Um, His expression seems a little guilty. He says, um, you know, man, uh, we thought maybe we could invite someone for the rehearsal. I hope that's okay. I knew
3: this was going to be
2: bad. We've always been a three-piece that What do you mean?
0: Yeah, no, just for today. Just for today. Just. I thought it could be good.
2: said you could replace me, but uh, you moved pretty fast on that one, and I opened the door.
0: Standing outside of the door is a man who has um, long, dark hair with some gray streaks at the temples that's pulled back. Uh, into a small bun. He has thick eyebrows and kind of like strong green eyes, and he is wearing the garb of a Catholic priest and holding a small leather-bound Bible in his hands. He says, "'Good morning, I'm Father Brewer. "'Are you Knox?'
1: So
3: do we want to go to like a meanwhile?
0: What's the B story of this Sunday morning?
1: Susan and Roman said they would try drugs together at their next possible, <laughs> at their next possible uh, options. If so. Roman lets on that she's going to go do drugs with Susan,
3: Kitty might be like going as like a nanny figure, being like, ugh, I will make sure you don't die.
0: That's good harm reduction, Kitty. Where do you all envision this happening? Because you all say like, we're going to go do this.
3: Would it make sense? sense for susan to come to roman's place
1: yeah 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 i think previously we might have done like the hardware that's not really an option now
0: so this is happening in uh i guess roman or kitty's room
1: yeah i would let
3: myself into roman's house because you you don't knock here and make my way to roman's room also i look like simon by the way
0: has kitty seen you as simon before
3: No, I have no idea who that is. I don't think I look that different. Like, (laughs) I think you could probably put that together.
0: We talked about, like, if you had met both of them and, like, thought about it critically, it's not, it's not, like, a Batman situation. How different is Simon as a persona?
3: The motorcycle, the guns, like, that's Simon. The drugs, that's Simon. And then demon hunting with the ladies is Susan. You open the door, you see Simon. What, how's it going, Simon. Oh, this is my sister. Morning. What? What? Yes, hi. We've met. Hi. What do you mean? Have you met? Uh, not perhaps uh, not like this, but it's Simon today actually. Okay. Hi. <laughs> Cheers. Roman and I had some uh, business to attend to.
1: Business. <laughs> um, do I have a vial of sunshine? Do you? We or do we each have our own? Yeah. I gave you three, I still have one, and I was t- intending to use uh, mine. Well, we can just hole up in here. Kitty's cool, she's a cool girl. She will be. Roman, like, past the side of her bed for Simon. I'll sit down, I'll pull the sunshine out of my, like, jacket pocket. Yeah, I'll grab my lace sunshine at the same time and, like, go to cheers, you.
0: Do you guys do anything when you imbibe sunshine? Like, are there activities you associate with it?
1: Jesse, I think you mentioned in, like, notes or something that it heightens, like, magical stuff or whatever. So I don't know if we, like, play with Roman's fairy magic. Mm, Good point. Well, I would like to do shape change. Like, I think that would be fun since no one else has seen this yet. So we imbibe. Yeah, cheers. We cheers. Maybe take a little, like, dab, what, with our pinky? Is that a thing? I think I would, like, hold it out.
3: For you.
1: I know, I was going to say I want to do that, like, um, newlywed thing where you, like, link I love it. <laughs> it's fun. We have fun. Is Kitty just, like, watching this happen?
3: Yeah, Kitty doesn't know what to do.
1: Roman's like, what's your guys' favorite animal? Uh, wh- well, you know me, I'm rather fond of birds. <laughs> it's very on brand. What do I, okay, wait, would I know Kitty's favorite animal from childhood, maybe? Maybe. Whatever, we had, like, a guinea pig. Sure, let's say we had a guinea pig. I make, like, I make myself into a guinea pig with starling
0: wings. Okay, um, so you two clink your little vials, you, uh, ingest a a nice hearty dose of sunshine, um, and I guess, so Roman, you, like, pretty immediately transform into a winged guinea pig, guinea pigasus? is that anything? Can you get that on a
1: shirt. Maybe like 5 minutes. To, they make a little small talk waiting for it to kick in and as you feel it and you're like, oh man, this is going to be real funny.
0: Susan, you lean back against the wall of Roman's bedroom as the sunshine kind of rolls through your body. As Louis said, it doesn't quite have the same something extra that sunshine normally does. It it makes you feel so Light and airy, calm and kind... It almost gives everything like a, a a softening around the edges, like the harsh lines and angles of this callous, uh, uncaring world sort of get dampened and dulled a little bit, and everything seems a touch more friendly and peaceable. And that mostly happens. You're not blown away. You could compare it to, like, weaker doses or cut doses or whatever uh, bad sunshine experiences might have existed in your past. It's not uh, terrible, it's just not quite where you'd love it to be.
1: There's actually no, like, adverse effects to this, it seems so far. It's just, like, weaker.
0: Roman... You lean against your wall on your bed next to Susan or Simon Starling. You gaze up out of the window, picturing this winged guinea pig that you might take the form of to amuse and delight your friends and sister. Suddenly, your chest contracts, and you start coughing heavily. And mixed in the phlegm that sprays over your light pink bedsheet, there's some dark blood. You take one heart.
3: <coughs> uh, that's not supposed to happen. Is there sunshine left? The tainted sunshine left?
0: She has two more bottles.
3: I want to take some and cast psychometry. That's a nine. What bands, wards, and limits are attached to this object?
0: You have a vision, duh. Kitty, you find yourself looking into the window of the Goodman Distillery, a building you were at a few days ago. So you recognize the exterior with its huge white painted uh, brick sign along the long end. And you sort of float through the wall guided ahead of you as if you're sort of bobbing along in some current. You find yourself in uh, another side room, not unlike the storage closet where you met with Arthur Cho, except this room has been outfitted into a bit of a workshop. And it looks like this is the room that the rebel wolves are using to manufacture their synthetic sunshine inside this room you see hotch with his hair pulled back wearing a long smock and uh big rubber gloves working at a table that is strewn with some uh, chemistry equipment. You're not an expert on this sort of thing, but it doesn't look as sterile or as uh, organized as you would hope a chemistry experiment or a drug lab to be laid out. And you can see that Hotch has taped up on the wall all kinds of scrawled pages of handwritten equations and cutouts like sections trimmed from old Textbooks on chemistry and botany. He's got himself a a little project board that he's using as he tries to recreate sunshine Something catches your eye. There's a a space on on Hotch's board of his sort of DIY Animal Crossing recipe card for sunshine There's a spot where he is hypothesizing what Ingredient Rex Lemare has access to that is in proper sunshine that isn't in this. I'll tell you it's a plant It's a plant that is used as this part of this missing ingredient for Sunshine. And you just get uh, a strong emotional sense from clearly looking at it that this plant is strongly associated with the the power and history of the Fae that, you know, runs as much in your blood as in Romans, if not, you know, in a slightly different form. And you know that the limit attached to this object is that Sunshine will not react the same way with Fae-aligned creatures, wild creatures, as it will with any other creature. I
3: guess clearly it's dangerous. She's coughing blood. Yeah. It would be dangerous for me and Roman and theoretically Ileana as well. You could conclude that, yes.
1: Am I still coughing up blood? Am I like recovering? Like it's purged from my system and I've puked it? Or am I like doubled
3: over? Oh,
0: you wish. You are coughing up more blood. You take an additional I... harm. No. Want to
3: try and get Roman to throw up.
0: Tell me about that.
1: Stick.
3: Your fingers
1: in my throat, sis. I'm going
3: to put my hand on either of your shoulders. Say, Roman, Roman, look at me.
0: Her vision is is glassy.
3: I open my eyes and I don't know what I'm looking at. All right, so then I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to stick my fingers down her throat.
0: Simon, how do you feel about this?
3: Bad, because I'm not I'm not having the same experience here.
0: <laughs> you jam some fingers down Roman's throat and uh, she retches. There is some blood mixed into it, too. It seems to take a lot out of her.
3: Once I can tell Roman is doing better.
0: I have to ask, how can you tell that Roman's feeling better? I'm Father Brewer. Are you Knox? Yeah.
1: Oh my god. I didn't know we were
3: going to do this.
0: It's a it's a pleasure to meet you. Um might I come in? Where's
2: your instrument, man? <laughs> I like to think my words are my instrument. Uh, I'll turn back to Nat and Jackson. Just kind of point deliberately at the guy and raise an eyebrow.
0: They wave him in and he kind of like sidles into the cafe. Jackson says, Knox, this isn't easy for us. We're here because we love you, man. And, and we care about you. And we want you to be a part of the band. And we want you to be a part of our lives. But we can't act like nothing happened so we called up father brewer and we think it'd just be good for everyone to talk okay father brewer says it's true knox and i hope that even though this might be a stressful morning for you you can appreciate that it was love that motivated your friends to come speak to me and love is why i'm here today yeah your friends tell me that you seem to be having a tough time and uh it's possible that you may feel that you are straying from the light. I don't mean to assume anything. Are you a faithful man, Knox?
2: Can we skip all the 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 long spiel and and hop to what's the real point I'm assuming here?
0: Your friends contacted me because they were worried that you were consorting with forces of darkness.
2: Yeah, I am. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> His eyebrows shoot up almost into his hairline. (laughs) You just kind of casually being like, yeah, and...
1: Uh,
0: Nox, I know it may seem as though all is lost, but there is still hope for your mortal soul. If you trust us, if you let us help you today, we can set you back on a path to righteousness and light.
2: Uh, You know, I was living a pretty normal life for the (laughs) past while here, and now all of a sudden I got people coming out of the woodworks telling me about prophetic visions and... Other shit.
0: Are there others like you, Knox? Have you been corralled into some sort of uh, a cult uh, organization? We can, we can help you. We can provide you shelter and amnesty. We can save your soul.
2: Okay, great. Let's do that. What, what, where do I sign up? What do I do?
0: Okay. Well, this is—I'll admit—the first time I've—I've I've gotten this far, but uh, I think it's very promising. Um, a lot of people are not receptive to receiving the light into their hearts. So why don't you have a seat here? And he um, pulls some chairs out uh, at one of the cafe tables.
2: Okay.
0: Based on what Nat and Jackson told me, it seemed that uh, in previous episodes there was a, a, a pattern of violence. Uh, so I'm going to ask Nat and Jackson to lock the door just to keep everyone safe for the time being. Nat scurries over to the door. Their faces are like bright red red. They are so uncomfortable, but they're really trying their best. And Nat scurries over to the back door of the cafe and closes it and shuts the deadbolt as uh, the father sets this Bible down in front of you and pulls from within his robe a uh, small clear glass bottle. He starts reciting uh, a prayer in Latin. He uncorks this bottle, this vial that he's holding, and he uh, pours a little bit of water into his hand and he kind of flicks it onto your face, and, uh, it stinks. It, it, um, starts to, uh, raise your skin in small welts, and it's, it's red, um, and it itches and burns like a, like a
2: mother. I, I wince at it, I suppose. Does he continue?
0: Yes, he says, um, if it, if it hurts, that means it's working. That means there is something dark inside of you that we must get out.
2: Yeah, I said that there is.
0: Yes, yes. Stay strong, Nox, stay strong. (laughs) <laughs> he flicks you a few more times with the bottle. He asks you to roll up your sleeves so he can get like your arms and cover more parts of your body in holy water, which does indeed start giving you a bit of a an all over rash. It's starting to feel pretty painful.
3: Is he taking harm?
0: He probably takes one
2: harm at this point. Okay. Do I think that this is actually doing something? Like, do I feel that something is shifting inside of me?
0: At this point, I think that you are feeling really uncomfortable. You're feeling in pain. I think you're probably feeling that same kind of uh, like rage and focus that tends to happen when you do shift voluntarily. So I think you could maybe sense that that's on the horizon a little bit. Is Nox like interested in having this demon expelled by him from this priest? Like, to what extent is he willing to sit here and do this? Because this guy's going.
2: I mean, yeah. I mean, the whole thing, if I'm free of the whole... Do I get my soul back?
0: (laughs) How much do you know about Catholicism? Yeah,
3: what are the repercussions? Like, you were dead, right? And the demon... Without the demon, do
1: you survive? True, this could kill you.
2: Maybe.
0: um... I don't need you to have all the answers to that, but I, like tell me if you're like, yes, I'm gonna participate in this, and then I'll just keep describing it and then I won't have to ask you for 30 seconds if you're still cool with it.
2: You know what? Yeah, let's my only friends that I that have come to help me, and I my main goal is to get away from this patron. So yeah.
0: Okay. He asks you to take off your shirt.
2: Uh, the bolo tie, too, or? No, no. No, no the the bowl bowl shirt, just <laughs> bolo tie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: I like this. Someone better draw a fan art of this. <laughs> Hurt, comfort, fic, 10k, slow burn. Slow burn on my skin from holy water. <laughs> he passes out uh, Bibles to Nat and Jackson, who, in English, start chanting this prayer behind him. He is now, like, anointing you with holy water where the skin has kind of had it sitting for a while where it's sort of red and and raised and angry you can see that the the damp parts of your skin are starting to harden over with that same kind of chitinous demon exoskeleton that you uh voluntarily cover yourself with when it's time to do business so it's sort of like he's drawing out the transformation slowly it kind of is uncomfortable when you do it quickly but the long drawn out sensation of being stressed and split and raised and transformed this way is very intense. And after maybe 10 minutes of Nat and Jackson, you can tell that they're like crying. Snot is dribbling down their faces. They are trying so hard to keep their composure as they recite this prayer behind this priest. And you are now uh, in full demonic form a good foot taller covered in chitin with long uh, sharp claws lounging in this cafe chair. You can also see out of the corner of your eye, you're not really sure where to look at this priest who's trying to help you or at your friends who are bowing their heads and crying. There's a vent in the top rear corner of this cafe that you know is obviously connected to the ventilation system for the building, you can see a little curl of kind of yellow-green smoke. The same smoke that would appear or appeared the last time that you spoke to your demonic patron Laxis on your birthday. It seems like maybe it's coming down from your room. Eventually the priest has anointed your skin with this holy water, Nat and Jackson are kind of cowering behind him as they look upon your demonic form. and. He says, okay, this is the last step. Nox, you've been very patient. This is almost over. Soon, your soul will be free, and you will be able to walk in the light with us. He pulls out a small jar from his pack, a small glass mason jar that looks like it's full of salt, and he starts inscribing a circle around the chair that you're sitting in. You feel even more uncomfortable when you watch this kind of salt circle form, and after the circle is closed, the father kneels before you and he flips to uh, middle of the Bible where he has like, another piece of paper tucked in uh, and he pulls it out, unfolds it, and begins reading a uh, prayer in a language that you do not recognize at all. It sounds sort of Latinate, but with weird, harsh extra sounds in it that sound like they could honestly be demon names. As he is chanting, his voice is growing deeper, almost supernaturally. It's booming heavily. The salt on the circle around you on the ground is, uh, jumping and kind of vibrating, like it's sitting on a frequency plate. The drapes are fluttering, and the sulfuric smoke is starting to billow in through the back of the cafe. As he reaches this uh, final line of this prayer and exalts it in his booming, deep, pious voice, all of the light bulbs in the cafe shatter. Everyone ducks onto the ground, covering their heads. And when they look back up, you're sitting there in your chair, demonic as ever. The salt circle unbroken, your chitin still red and raw. The priest is besides himself. He says, why didn't it work? Roman is still coughing and still struggling to breathe, it seems, and you can also see that, um, there are ripples along her skin of what seemed to be, like, uh, a downy, feathery pattern. They come and go in time, but it looks like feathers start to sprout out of her skin and then retract before you can even get a sense of, of what they are. It's a it's a sort of illusory kind of, um, uh, image patterned all over her skin. Uh,
3: this, this whole thing is bad news and, and we... We we have to get her somewhere else. I this is this is beyond anything I can do.
1: I I do want to bring Roman to Iliana. If you try to bring Roman out of this house, especially to Iliana, Roman will fight. She's not very strong, but she'll resist that.
3: I want to be able to like stabilize her. I just want to know if there's any fae powers that I could let it out to use. That would be helpful. My theory of. My magic is it's fey magic that's been... Repurposed,
1: rechanneled.
3: Repurposed, but also just, like, really, like, pared down. Like, it's really limited.
1: There is a fairy skill, Nature's Caress.
0: You can try. You can definitely try. I think it's going to be challenging. Okay. Seven,
1: eight, nine. I would
3: like to take definite hold of something vulnerable or exposed, and I would like to mark corruption.
0: Good. I think this should definitely come at a cost. So you rolled Let It Out in an attempt to access the the fae powers that you believe are in your blood as they are in your sisters. What does that look like physically?
3: I'm going to take my locket and try and use the same method I use to uh, instigate a vision where I smell the herbs, but I want to try and get myself to a mental place where I can expand beyond that.
0: Okay. You open your locket and you inhale those familiar scents in an attempt to feel a connection to the spiritual realm that you're trying to access. I think that you probably try to scoop up your sister in some way, like get a hand on her and try to physically stabilize her as well as kind of medically stabilize her. She's lightly convulsing, I would say. Yeah, I think you clench your teeth. You are trying to channel this power that you believe might be there. You can feel as you do that that same darkness and kind of uh, a dark whisper, the same one that you felt when you gave. Fill up a false prophecy, that sense of how much power you could actually access, but how much darkness might come with that, that has been locked away from Kitty Yanakis as you place your hands on your sister's shoulders. And you close your eyes, and I think you let out a bit of a scream. And when you open your eyes, Roman has healed to harm.
1: Nice, thank you.
0: And you are holding a giant, misshapen robin in your hands. It's about the size of uh, a medium-sized dog. Its limbs are out of proportion. Its beak is stunted. Its eyes are flicking around the room frantically. Is that me? Oh, God, yes.
1: Are you seeing that too? Yes.
3: Um, I think the tainted, incomplete sunshine doesn't react well with anybody who has fey blood.
1: Roman, blink once if you're feeling okay? Uh, I'm feeling like normal now, just like I'm a weird robin dog.
0: You feel like, a, you don't feel great. You don't feel the urge to cough up blood. You're somewhere between those two ends of a spectrum.
1: Great, I give out a, a hesitant and still slightly pained like chirp. Are you stuck
3: like this? Can you, can you get back to normal?
1: Usually I can, I, I feel like maybe I can't this time. I try.
0: You feel, uh, yourself trying to change back, and Susan and Kitty, you see, like, lumps push out of the robin as though its body is trying to reconfigure itself.
1: Oh, no, no, stop. Stop that. Okay, I'll just stay this, like, gigantic bird, and I'll hop onto my bed and just, like, rest it off, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what else there is. I think we need, uh, more help. I agree. Kitty wants to
3: find an expert. I think we should take her to someone who can do magic. I think we should take her to someone who knows more about these drugs. Like we've decided we trust Hotch, right? So I might want to go to Hotch over Ileana.
1: Okay, I chirp a little and like hop a guess a bit towards Kitty to indicate that like, yes, I agree. <laughs> the park is across the street. We We could get help there. I don't
3: trust that woman.
0: Have you met that woman?
3: I think I saw her in passing, and I have, like, an idea of her relationship with Roman, and I don't think I like it. After a few days of living with Roman, she hasn't, like, been hiding her relationship with Ileana from me, right? Yeah, I think so. So I think I'm probably a little judgmental of that relationship and a little bit uh, dubious of Ileana As like a mentor figure to Roman.
0: I hate when mom and dad fight over which illegal doctor to take (laughs) my mutated form to
3: I think Hotch would know more about what's happening here and now. Here's a good thing that Kitty would be worried about, is that Ileana's magic could do more harm than good in a situation where my magic didn't work. Not that I'm as skilled a magician as Ileana, but... We don't know the effects of magic upon someone who has ingested the sunshine as much as we didn't know the effects of magic when Roman did it herself. Fine. Your family, it's your call. If he doesn't help us, we'll go to Ileana.
1: I chirp in protest. Chirp bark. Let's not waste any more time.
3: I'm going to call a car. I wrap Roman up in a blanket. (laughs) Am I a medium-sized dog? Is she like baby-sized?
0: Bigger than a baby. You could pretend it's like a world record ba- breaking baby that you're holding.
3: We swaddle Roman and we take her into a car.
0: Simon, you're still high. So that's fun. So I suppose Kitty probably take the lead and direct this cabbie to back to the distillery district. Mm hmm.
3: Back back to, like, Hotch's basement.
0: Roman is kind of uh, mixing between states of being, like, very active and agitated and fidgety in the blanket and other times being, like, unnervingly still and quiet in the blanket as you exit the cab and round the corner and down to the little back alley where Hotch led you into his apartment uh, a day or two ago.
3: Yeah, you knock on his door.
0: It takes an agonizing long minute for him to answer. It is uh, the middle of the afternoon, which for werewolves is... The middle of the night, I suppose. He opens the door in uh, a bathrobe, no shirt, like long boxer shorts. He looks very tired. His hair is all rumpled. He has let it out and it's kind of like cascading all over. And he says, what the fuck?
3: The drugs are bad, let us in.
0: He uh, wordlessly stands aside and lets you enter the apartment. Alan took a glass mug of beer to the face within the last 48 hours. So he is on their little pullout sofa bed. He's got like an ice pack. You know when they have like it wrapped around, tied at the top, cartoonishly like icing his jaw and maybe reading a book. He looks up when he sees the three of you tumble down the stairs led by Hotch and Hotch says, uh, Alan, clear the bed. Alan scrambles out of the pullout couch bed and he says, um... What's going on? Where's Roman? I
1: unswaddle. Chirp, <laughs> chirp, dirt. chirp, chirp, chirp. Bark. Chirp, bark.
0: That's not funny.
1: I'll like hop down in half bird, half dog form and like nuzzle around his legs like it's me. Ah.
0: <laughs> I don't, I don't love it. I don't love it. Let's get you back on the bed.
3: Your drugs have done this to my sister? I would like an explanation, please.
0: Okay. Uh, it looks like it turned her into some kind of big bird. That's that's about as scientific as I can get.
3: Oh, there was blood also. Yes. The big bird was really us stopping her from maybe dying. The big bird is a band-aid.
0: Looks like it's working like a charm. Uh, is she the only one that took? Simon took it. He's fine. Yeah, you look like you've been chewing dandelions half the morning. Who are you? Wait, do I know you?
3: Yeah, we met. Don't worry about it. Uh,
0: so, uh, uh, you, um, oh, Jesus Christ, above me. So she's, this is a separate issue that you're coming me to, which is separate than the drugs, because you did this to her?
3: No. Okay. Let's start from the beginning. We did we did the drugs, and then Roman was coughing up blood, and that was bad. I'm not coughing up blood, but I'm not magic. She's magic. Oh, yeah? I need to know the relationship between
1: your drugs and... Fey magic or lack the lack thereof. Roman is chittering in the background as if you're getting yelled at. I'm getting yelled at, or is he? Get, or he's getting yelled no, 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 no. Hodge, Hodge.
0: Well, we have talked about this, if I can recollect correctly, pretty recently. The sunshine that we're manufacturing is not the exact same sunshine that uh, Rex Lemaire was manufacturing and distributing. So when experimenting with the new substance, it's always a great idea to begin with as small a dosage as possible in an inconspicuous area. I didn't
3: come here for a lecture. I came here so you could fix my friend.
0: I will figure out how to do that. I just don't want to uh, let this be set down in the annals of history that this is my fault. Because uh, you all bought some drugs and took them and didn't like what they did. I didn't
3: do any of those things. I'm here to help my sister. Do not lecture me.
0: Oh, that's that's charming, princess. I respect the hell out of you for that. Don't get me wrong.
3: Jerry, are you at all interested in um, like sharing the thing about the plant? I assume he like knows that because I got that information from his workspace, right? But he might have been like using the plant and not knowing its effects on Faye. It was that he wasn't using the plant. He doesn't have that as a missing ingredient. You're right, Jillian, I should, I was assuming that he would know that the plant is what makes it safe. hmm I just like that he's like, it's not my fault, and you literally had a vision where it's like, no, he was making it. It's not intentionally his fault, but. What I want to say is, in your lab, with air quotes, you have record that you are missing a certain herb, plant, whatever ingredient and that is what makes it safe for someone like roman or myself or anybody with fairy blood to take and i don't know if you know this but i think the fae kind of like to take this drug we love
1: this drug
0: is the same motherfucker that let you into my lab gave you your chemistry degree or are there two motherfuckers in question i need to have a conversation with after this
3: All I needed to see in your lab is this, holding up the vial of sunshine.
0: Hotch has been rummaging around in a big luggage chest that's at the foot of the pullout bed. And he says, um, mm, shit. I can't do it here. I don't have enough stuff. We have to go to Goodman's. Fine. No, it's not fine. Do you understand that I can't necessarily be bringing some, uh spatially challenged young drug addict into the distillery where my boss is and my coworkers are, this is a pretty big bomb you're dropping on me right now.
3: Well, then how do we sneak in?
0: Alan has run up to the door of the apartment. He is pulled in from the alley a beat up old baby stroller. <laughs> he says, uh, someone left this here a week ago. I didn't think it was going to come in handy, but hey, hop in, champ
1: gingerly steps in paw by claw into the baby stroller.
0: He shuts the little, like, awning thing as low as it will go, so that no one can see your, uh, distressed form.
1: You can see lots of shifting on the inside, trying to get comfy.
0: Hodge says, okay, let's go take a tour. (laughs) Nox, are you in there? Can you hear me? Yes. Nox, there's something... There's something that you're not telling us. We
2: we need to know how this happened to you. This should have worked. I don't know why it's not working. I told you. W- what more do you need to know? When did
0: you first start feeling this way? Do you, when did you first contact the darkness? Years ago. How many years ago? When?
2: A-, a decade ago.
0: What happened, Knox?
2: My father was a well-known figure in the mafia, and... About a decade ago, he left me for dead in a bar shootout. <laughs> Turned bad. Uh, I was underneath a table. I think I was riddled with with stray bullets, and and the place was up in flames. And I was I was left for dead. Uh, in that moment, I. Yelled out to whatever forces would hear to to save me and save my soul and the only thing that answered was Laxes and he took my soul in exchange for allowing me to continue to to live and ever since I've been his thrall unfortunately and Here I am.
0: Father Brewer's jaw drops He wasn't expecting this today. He was gonna go and maybe do like a little bit of Catholic cosplay and then go home and watch Price's right. He is an actual Catholic priest. It's just that the exorcisms don't usually get to the part where you're like sitting and talking to a man in a demon suit. He is struggling to find something to say, and as if on cue, the ventilation grate in the back corner of the cafe bursts open. You can see the frog-like head of Laxies pokes through and you can see his bulging demonic body scraping through the vent, crawling through and pulling himself into the cafe in the back corner. What do you do?
2: I run out the front door.
0: When you stand up and try to exit the Circle of Salt, you find that it blocks your progress. Get rid of the salt! No, Nox, we're so close! Keep talking! You stupid old man! Get rid of the salt! He backs up in fear as you speak to him harshly. Then he turns around as he notices Laxi's claws scrabbling on the tile of the cafe. He turns back and screams, and that causes Nat and Jackson to cease their um, endless chorus of devoted prayer, to turn back and look at the back of the cafe and also scream. Laxes bears down on them. I think he goes for the priest first. It's kind of the obvious target. You watch as Laxes pounces on Father Brewer and begins to sink his claws into the older man's chest. I guess with his frog tongue probably does a number on him. I don't know what all of La- Oh, Laxes is a scorpion tail. That's canonical. Laxes probably uses his scorpion tail heavily in the melee encounter with this unarmed old man who uh, quickly succumbs and makes quite a mess on the floor of the cafe. Nat and Jackson back up. They uh, have fallen flat on their asses and scoot backward. And um, Jackson looks up at you, Knox, and he says, Can we trust you, man? Yes. Nat or Jackson or and I just said, reaches out a hand and swipes away a big section of the salt circle. And you can feel the binding cease and you are able to step outside of it
2: i spread my my wings and i i scoop up nat and jackson and i try and just bust through i don't care if i break the door
0: you want to go out the front door or the back door
2: the nearest door to where they are okay
0: i guess probably the front door it is an early Sunday morning in Lakeshore. You have busted out of the front door of a cafe on a fairly busy street in full demon form with wings holding two crying, sobbing grown men and their Bibles. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> where do you where do you intend to go?
2: I just need to get them somewhat of a distance away and then set them down. The nearest least populated place that I would know. Of.
0: You definitely see... And hear the reactions of at least a handful of uh, fairside pedestrians who see your form and scream. Most of them turn and run the other way. Since you're not acting hostile towards them in any way, they're not going to pursue you down this alleyway where you drop off Nat and Jackson. They're having a rough day, even rougher than the priest. They say, what was that, man? Who was that?
2: That was Laxey's.
0: Man, all that shit you said to him was real.
2: Guys, this doesn't. It doesn't matter now. You guys need to get out of here. I I I don't know what's gonna happen. You guys, you need to skip town.
0: Oh my god.
2: You you guys need to skip town. You need pack your bags and get out of here as soon as possible today. This this afternoon. They're
0: just staring at you, speechless.
2: Don't tell me where you're going. Don't try and contact me. I'm fucking white wolfing you. White thing. White White thing. You always say white wolf. Go on, get Matt and Jackson. Go on, get
0: Matt. Musters up enough muscular control for the merest of nods. Rock on! They they stagger down the alley as fast as their jellified legs will carry them uh, away from the cafe.
2: I cry. Simple plans. Uh, welcome to my life.
0: Welcome to my life. No, you don't know what it's like when nothing turns out right. God, what a fucking good track from a
2: good band. And uh, I go to clean up a priest's body, and probably say hi to Laxis. He's
0: probably like sitting uh, before the priest's body, like it's um, like it's a squirrel that he caught outside that he's bringing to you. He has sort of like a doggy energy sometimes. Is a uh-huh. scorpion
1: tail wagging?
0: <laughs> yeah, I really like that. He's he's disgusting. He's evil. He's a true heartless monster, and his scorpion tail <laughs> is wagging. <laughs> I saved you, Lawrence Anderson.
2: What are you talking about? Save me? From 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 what?
0: From him.
2: Oh, what are you gonna say that I owe you more now?
0: I am satisfied with our current arrangement. It is time, Lawrence Anderson, for your next assignment.
2: I need to get rid of this body, or are you gonna take care of that for me? I will not help you. What is it that you need? Your next assignment.
0: Lawrence Anderson is to find the archaeological radiance quantifier and deliver it to the Drake Casino. You have 1 week. And Laxis vanishes in a puff of smoke.
2: I know where it is right now, don't I?
0: Yeah, you have it. <laughs> it's actually it's in your room.
2: <laughs> it's under the floorboards. Okay. Well, that's getting, I'm still demon form, yeah?
0: You're still demon form. You're in the cafe with a bloody half-eaten priest. There's glass and blood everywhere and a circle of
2: salt. I'll probably just grab a garbage bag, use my demon claws, and slice, 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 and toss them in a garbage bag, and then put it in the dumpster. Will, does he have holy water left?
0: Oh, you should loot him. Father Brewer's current inventory (laughs) includes he has one full bottle of holy water left. He has a jar that is a third full of blessed salt. Kitty's also killed a demon with salt, actually. This is good. He has a crucifix and he has a Bible, car keys, a wallet.
2: I'm going to take his car keys and I'm just going to try and drive it into a lake. So however long that's going to... Or maybe into uh, like a scrapyard or some shit like that. Uh, (laughs) Dispose of his car so it's not in front of my place a great
0: Sunday morning uh, I'm fine with the chopping up the body in the dumpster and cleaning up and everything I think getting rid of the car um, is maybe gonna be like an obstacle or a role or some you using some kind of resource because I think that's a, a harder thing to pull off
2: I will wait I'll dispose of the body I'll mop the floor I'll refill the salt shaker I will then wait for the cafe to open the lovely old owners will walk in, and I'll be sitting at a bar, kind of just like brooding,
0: reading your Bible. Yes, <laughs> like a good little boy.
2: And they'll come in, and and they'll just be like, I don't know. I'll just order like a espresso because I I need a cup of cup of coffee. I love that. My only question: Do I have any sense as to? because maybe this is just my own memory or something, do you have any sense as to why uh, Laxis potentially would want this arc delivered to the Drake?
0: No, that's a clue.
2: <laughs> Fair enough.
0: Think about it. Just, you know, Laxus has asked you for two things so far. Um, think about it. So the five of you are making your way into Goodman's Distillery, the front entrance, to uh, go along the self-guided tour path of the front of the operation because Hotch worries that if he takes you through the back ways, there's no way to get to his lab without being seen by many, 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 many of his co-workers and also probably Arthur Cho. So uh, he says, I think it would be best if one of you two caused some kind of diversion so that uh, me and Alan and Baby Makes Three could peel off from the tour without any prying eyes.
3: What kind of diversion? I'm
0: really trying to think on my feet here. You know, the first rule of improvisation is yes, and. And Hodge can point out the uh, door that's on the raised level on the far end that leads to, like, the back offices and corridors where he can get to his lab. There's probably, like, a catwalk section where you can, like, go and, like, wrap around the vats and whatever.
3: Is there something I could knock over? Yeah. Can you, like, stab a hole into one of the barrels
1: so it springs a (laughs) leak. All that ale! I don't want to
3: be pulling guns in here. I said stab!
0: I don't think your, like, hunting knife is gonna get through, like, a steel (laughs) vat.
3: I'm just imagining the scene from Shrek, you know? Nice! (laughs) Okay, bad reputation plays in the background. (laughs) Okay, sure, I think that's funny if I shoot a barrel.
0: Okay, uh, so you're just gonna try to, like, find an angle where no one's gonna notice you pulling out a gun? Yeah. <laughs> and just shoot one of the vats and see if you can cause like a, a bit of an upset. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, you're high, you've been told to cause a diversion. You're trying to get it done. I love this. This is a very chaotic episode, which um is good. It's what we need in these trying times. Simon, I suppose, playing like Kitty's Beard or something in this like weird like tour tableau. You try to head to the back of the group and kind of linger. You hope that when no one is looking, you pull out, you have like little gun, right? I think this might be like a little gun situation.
3: A little pew pew. I don't think I bring the big one everywhere cause it is like
0: very large.
3: That's for patrol.
0: You pull out little one from inside of the, the jacket and you try to sort of like look away while you're aiming to be discreet about it. You pop off three quick rounds, and for a second, there's just the agonizing, like, echo of the gunshots filtering through space and, like, nothing happening, and you feel like it's all gonna be ruined and you're gonna be thrown into jail, and then you hear this huge, uh, groaning sound of metal, almost like when the catwalk peeled off the wall of hardware and crashed onto the ground of this vat starting to rupture, and actually... Should you roll for this to see how good you get?
3: Yeah, do you want me to like keep my cool or something?
0: <laughs> this is absolutely keeping your cool.
3: <laughs> absolutely not. That's a four.
0: <laughs> good, good, yes, yes. I still think that you're able to um, do it. I think that you. it's like very visible. And maybe if you had, like, hit it a little closer to, like, where it was, like, welded shut, so it would have opened faster, maybe it would have gone better for you. But the aim wasn't where it needed to be, and there's a good, like, eight seconds of um, everyone stopping, turning, gasping, screaming as you stand there with a gun pointed at this vat. Hotch beneath you is reciting a catechism of swears that you've never heard anyone say before, ever, as this long agonizing pause wait. And then the tour guide just cries out, Security! And beer starts spraying out over the walkway that all of you are on. What do you do?
3: Can I roll to escape? Can I just peace?
1: Smart.
0: I think if you tell me what you want to do to escape, we can decide if that's enough to trigger the roll. So what what do you want to do physically, materially in the world?
3: I just want to like slide down the banister.
0: <laughs> just to kind of build up speed and get out of this fast. Yeah. Okay, you should roll then to escape a situation to slide down these banisters and get out of the distillery. That's a 10. On a 10+, plus, you still choose one consequence of escaping a situation. I
3: want to mark corruption. I haven't done that yet.
0: You give into your base nature and mark corruption. Mm, what I will pitch to you for this is maybe as... You are sliding down this banister, (laughs) high out of your mind. You manage to cleanly get down to the ground level of the distillery, and you're just sprinting and making a path through the door. As you do, you can see that a big, lumbering, you know, underpaid, deeply bored security guard, confused out of his mind but possessed with some kind of sense of duty, is lumbering towards you and trying to cut you off from the door. And would it be so fair as to say that you... Popping one in the knee or the shoulder? Something non-lethal? Sure. Susan, you raise your small gun and you uh, grit your teeth as you aim at a mortal man who is not a demon and has done nothing to harm you. And you shoot him in the leg and he goes down against the concrete pretty hard. But you are 55% certain he'll be totally fine in a month or two. And you jet out of the door of the distillery. So I think you've created enough of a diversion. you sacrificed enough of yourself to do that. Hotch and Alan charge upstream against this flow of tourists that are running down to see what the fuck is going on and also catching free beer in their like hats or whatever.
3: <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm also with a with Roman and a baby stroller trying to follow him. I love that image.
0: <laughs> it's very funny. This like weird blended family. Literally blended in Roman's case. <laughs> and you duck past the security guard. Hotch knows his way around this building like the back of his hand. And he leads you to an unmarked door. He has a key already in his hand. He opens it and you enter this back service corridor. He's still cursing a blue streak. He's got a foul mouth on him, that Hotch. He says, uh, maybe I should have provided more examples of a diversion before I asked for one. Because I don't think our vocabulary was equivalent on that front.
3: Well, you know what? We're here now. I'm sure that'll be fine.
0: He, uh, he runs his hands through his hair and just keeps walking. He leads you down a little side hallway to the room that you recognize from your vision, to his little drug lab. He says, get her out of that stupid fucking carriage.
3: Yeah, I uh, take her out and I place her on the work table, I guess. Thanks.
0: Roman, you've been through a treat as your sister unwraps your... Mummy bands, you find yourself in a wholly different room. You probably caught enough of what was going on to know you're going to the distillery. You don't feel that same kind of constricted, that bloody coughing that the sunshine triggered in you, but you keep grasping for that same uh, thread of power that you've used so uh, consistently and so carefully in the past to work your will across the world. And it's like he knotted it or tangled it or cut it or something, because every time you try to grab it, it's just not where you need it to be to find the power to change back. Hotch starts mixing together some random concoction. He seems to know what he's doing, but he's also like frantically consulting a bunch of texts and he says, um, if there's anything else you're not telling me, Miss Kitty, now would be the time. This is a decisive action. I think I've told you everything. How did you see what's in this office? Why don't you start there?
3: I'm a psychic. D- don't worry about it. That's not relevant to this at all.
0: So relevant. So incredibly relevant. <laughs> is she Psychic.
3: Um, she could be if she wanted to, but not really.
0: Uh, has she ingested any other substances within the past 48, 72 hours? I don't think so. I have to ask, legally, has she ever turned into a weird bird dog before?
1: You've never even seen me turn into an animal. As far as I know, she couldn't do anything like this before.
0: Okay, hopefully she never does again. I don't think it's going to be winning no dog shows in the near future. Hotch is just kind of listening and nodding. Alan is sort of trying to get uh, Roman comfortable on this countertop. And uh, eventually Alan, I think there's like a bit like a, the slightest edge of witchiness to it. I think he throws like a small handful of powder into a beaker and like a mad science ploof of smoke appears. And it changes color to this sort of like pale cerulean blue shimmering liquid. He has, he has a skill set. You've all met some very skilled NPCs. He says, I know you think this is my fault. But you're wrong. This is not my fault. This is not my problem. And when I administer this cure-all to your little sister being here, I will be expecting payment for services rendered now or in the future. Are we clear? All right, what kind of payment? You're a psychic? Yes. Let's put a pin in that for now. He stalks over to Roman and he says, uh, Cheap, cheap. Mama says it's lunchtime. Alan helps hold your beak open (laughs) while your beak snout while he pours his material down. It's like detangling of this golden thread that you know is deep inside of you that allows you to work your magic. After a few seconds of you feeling it kind of spread and gently kind of cool all of the heat and stress that was radiating up from your body, you can feel that power again easily. Naturally, you can grab the thread and change back if you want to. I want to. Okay. Roman is lying on the countertop. She is wearing the same bloody, pukey clothes that she was wearing before she transformed. She's gasping a little bit, but she looks okay, as okay as can be said. What do you do, Roman?
1: I point a finger towards Hotch. Now, I like you, Hotch. I do. But this is absolutely your fault.
0: Oh, I'd have to disagree with you there, sister. Though welcome back to the land of the living. How's your limbs? It's
1: good. Thank you, if I didn't already say that.
0: Yeah, start start there in future. It's always a good one to open with.
1: I give Kitty a hug. Yeah,
3: yeah. I hug you pretty much as soon as you're <laughs> back to
0: normal. <laughs> that was the most John Mulaney. <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: You
0: do give me a hug.
1: <laughs> and I'm like also grateful to Simon, and I shoot that look, but I don't know if we're there yet, so. You Simon's not there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't know that happened. Okay. Roman lets herself off of this cold table. Okay, uh, if it's not your fault, then whose fault is it? Guy who mixed up these drugs?
0: Uh, I don't know, girl who took random street drugs for fun without checking if they were going to hurt her first.
1: They're your street drugs!
0: They work fine for Simon. Look, all I'm saying is if you have a penicillin allergy and you go to the hospital and say, I don't know, I'm not allergic to nothing, and then they administer penicillin, you will have an allergic reaction and it will be your fault. That's a strained metaphor. I understand that I'm distributing an illicit substance here, but there is diligence on both sides to be had. Look, I don't want to fight with you. That's not what I'm interested in doing, but there's bigger implications here. If if this is going to happen to anyone with your ancestry who tries this, then we're shut out of selling to most of the West End. Shit, I got to call Louie
1: well, we better fucking get that ingredient wherever we can get that.
0: Have you given this to anyone else in the West End?
1: No, actually. Amazingly.
0: Where did you get yours from?
1: I got one vial from this random punk kid uh, who lives near Fairside and the other two from, uh, I don't suppose you know him, Simon. Which Alan might actually know him.
0: We've met. Yeah. Do any of you know where Simon gets it from? No. All right. You have given me a lot of, a lot of work to do on what was supposed to be my day off. Thank you for this uh, urgent information. With all due respect, I would like to ask all of you to kindly get the fuck out of my distillery.
3: I like flip the switch on a dime. Thank you so much. That was really nice of you to help us. I really
1: appreciate it.
0: Yeah, you'll be hearing from me soon. Don't worry about it. You can make it up to me later.
1: I'll be waiting for your call. Awkward pat on Alan's back. Like, see you around, bud. Leave.
0: Hopefully better circumstances next time. This was bad. Didn't like any of it. Glad you have two arms, two legs. That's how I like you. Katie and Roman, you uh, head back down discreetly out of the distillery. Once again, launch that baby carriage into an alley so it can come back in the third act. And... uh you hop in a cab and head back to Fairside. When you get back to Roman's house, Simon is sitting on the bed in Roman's room, uh, head in his hands. I think he's had a pretty rough afternoon as the two of you come up the stairs. He looks up at you. He still has a little freckles of blood from spray when he shot the security guard on his way out of the building. And he looks haunted and upset and mad. Thanks for listening to episode 9 of Lakeshore. We'll be back on June 9th for more mystery, fake history, and buffoonery on episode 10. See you then!